Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. <laughs> I just learned something. Oh, I'm having fun now. The customs associated with souling during All Hallowtide included singing, dressing in disguise, bonfires, carrying a horse's head, and performing plays. How do they always manage to mix in that one one where you're like, what the actual Wait, fuck are you doing? I'm just going to throw that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> singing, dancing, costumes, and giant bloody severed animal heads. <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> Today we are talking about... And this is this is so basic. I made fun of <laughs> I made fun of the Discord on this one. Okay. Like, I'm almost embarrassed to just say what this is because it's so obvious. Like this topic is the pumpkin spice latte of topic suggestions. Okay. Basic AF. Okay. We're gonna do the history of Halloween. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> when they chose that one, I was like, really? That's really really, you really hmm? scratched your heads on that one, didn't you, Discord? But really? I'm glad because you know, I didn't really know. I mean, yeah. I know all the like you know, you always hear All Hallows Eve and all yeah. the, you know, I, I just, I know the buzzwords, but I don't know where any of it comes from. Okay, okay. And there is a ton of conflicting information out there regarding the origins of the Halloween tradition, which is understandable because the origins of the holiday stretch back over 2,000 years. Right, because history. Yeah, and well, not just that, but before there was a source of reliable recorded history, at least in the British Isles, for sure. Yeah. In America, Halloween is super popular. After Christmas, it is the holiday on which Americans spend the most money. Really? Yeah. So everyone has a hot take. And you have to pick and choose your sources very carefully because many of them, I found, contradict each other. Hmm. Halloween also, just a few days after my birthday. So I have always been a tiny bit resentful. <laughs> a little bit salty. You might not guess this. A gigantic national holiday can slightly overshadow even an event as momentous as my womb emergence commemoration. Especially if it involves slutty ghosts and nurses. <laughs> Tough to compete with the allure of free candy and throngs of women wearing just cat ears <laughs> and nothing else. Very little else, yes. So my point is, if you are interested in learning more about Halloween after this episode, do your research. Mm. Not in a QAnon angry uncle on Facebook sense, but just, you know, be discerning. Mm, mm. For instance, you will inevitably be directed to that famous repository of knowledge, the website of English teacher Melanie which will inform you that, quote, Halloween is a community event. It is a combination of an ancient pagan festival from Northern Europe and a religious holiday created by Christians in ancient Rome, but its name comes from Scotland. Now it's a day when children wear costumes and get free candy. Hmm. That's actually one of the more accurate sources I found. Really? Okay. All right. <laughs> pretty much sums it up. Fair enough. <laughs> We're done here. And yeah, and episode over. <laughs> I hope you guys didn't sign up for a long one. Knowledge is power and occasionally brief. Knowledge is power. Research is overrated. We're done here. Some of the other sources, they will tend to editorialize a little bit. Mm. Uh, another one of the top hits, if you search for the history of Halloween, comes from the official website of the Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, specifically the Bible teachings section at jw.org. This can only turn out well. <laughs> Quote, while some view Halloween as harmless fun, the Bible indicates that the practices associated with it are not. Mm. Of ghosts, vampires, werewolves, witches, and zombies, the Jehovah's Witnesses say, quote, These have long been associated with the evil spirit world. The Bible clearly states that we should oppose wicked spirit forces, not celebrate with them. Mm. You could, like, congratulate evil forces, and right. you can, like, pat them on the back and give them a hug. Don't celebrate with them. Yeah, yeah. So Jehovah's Witnesses don't let their kids take part in Halloween mm. or any other fun. Mm. But neither did my mom, by the way. Did you know that? No. 
She doesn't even have the excuse of being like a associated with a cult or a religious zealot or anything. Hmm. She was just a hater. <laughs> she, she did not like commercialized holidays. My mom, great mom. Yes. But, you know, no one is perfect. This is where she dropped the ball. Okay. For most of my childhood, I was consigned to the role of candy distributor. I would like staff the desk, as it were. handing out candy at the door. And then a few times every Halloween, she would let me walk outside, knock on the door of our own house, and drop a piece of candy in my bag. Oh, that is sad. That sounds really terrible, uh, but it actually was. It was awful. (laughs) I was going to say. (laughs) I've never forgiven her. And... uh, (laughs) Explains so much about your personality. It's just the level of salt you throw at everything. Like, really? Really? Did you have to go out and fucking trick or treat your own door? No. And you know, as I got older, she did let me go trick or treating with friends because I like put my foot down. There was a time in which, you know, you just, you don't want to be that kid. Right. And uh, she held out as long as she could, though. Mm. Christmas, also pretty grim at our place. That's, that's for another time. My mom was amazing. She just hated the man. Mm. She wasn't going to be a corporate shill. No, no. And, you know, I get that. Yeah, I feel mostly about that as Halloween, not Halloween necessarily, but uh, Valentine's Day, definitely. You see? Yeah. Valentine's Day can go suck a dick. Uh, so you might have noticed from when we talked about the J-dubs, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you're nasty, <laughs> Halloween is based on an ancient Celtic celebration, as we mentioned, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, but it's not called Samhain. I just can't pronounce it if you're a Celt. Yeah, I am already upset. This is what I was talking about. I have been saying Sam Hain since I was a fucking child. Right. And no one corrected me. It's Sawin. Mm-hmm. Is there even a W in the spelling? No. Yeah. Sam Hain. Yeah. I'm going to try to like actually say it right during okay. this, though. I'm not going to be that asshole. I've been that asshole for many t- many episodes where I'm just like, no, we're calling it Sam Hain mm-hmm. throughout. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to okay. call it Sawin. Sawin. So Sawin translates as summer's end. There were four Gaelic seasonal festivals. Is it Gaelic or Gaelic? Gaelic. Gaelic. Gaelic is, is French. Gaelic is what I like in my pasta sauce. That was <laughs> so bad. I demand you have a child before you are allowed to say jokes like that, sir. So, Zawin translates as summer's end. There were four Gaelic seasonal festivals corresponding to the four seasons. And Zawin was the counterpart to Beltane, mm-hmm. the festival that marked the beginning of summer. I didn't check how to pronounce Beltane. It's probably like, I don't know. Probably Bafleur. Yeah. So November 1st was the Celtic New Year, transitioning from the warmth and bounty of summer to the lean seasons of fall and winter. As you know from other episodes, the seasons are caused by the tilt of the earth. And when it is fall in the northern hemisphere, if you are in the northern hemisphere, you begin tilting literally into darkness. Tilting into darkness. And what could be more symbolic of death and all things terrifying than the night overtaking the day and cold defeating the warmth? Mm. So Samhain represented death and darkness and was often viewed as a liminal celebration during which the world experienced the thinning of the boundary between realms. On that night, the spirit realm could be accessed by or even begin bleeding into the human realm. Mm-hmm. Celebrants extinguished their hearth fires, creating instead giant bonfires on hilltops around which they danced in costumes to ward off the evil spirits and fairies. And got hammered. I've never been intimidated by fairies, but Irish fairies, a little bit different than what you might be picturing. Oh, yeah, no, Irish fairies were gangster. Like, they were, they didn't fuck around. <laughs> These were the Eshi, uh, the, of course, spelled A-O-S-S-I, so, sure. <laughs> the Scots, by the way, spell it S-I-T-H, which I have to assume was an inspiration for George Lucas. Yes. 
Scottish fairies included wailing banshees, malevolent water spirits, cyclops, satyrs, changelings, leprechauns, etc. Yep, yep, yep. These aren't like fairy godmothers. These are these are critters you mostly wanted to avoid. This is not some Tinkerbell bullshit. Oh no, dude, they were dark as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Irish fairies make Grimm's fairy tales look like penthouse pets. Like it's just nuts. Like they're crazy people. <laughs> this make you horny. Yes. And in a very dark way. In a very like I might lose my penis. Like I said, these you don't want to hang out with these mm. critters. Mm -mm. Uh, thus, the festival participants wore costumes to scare off the fairies. Mm. The costumes, mostly animal furs. They had limited options back then. Right. Pretty much dress up as an animal or a bush. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous to be a bush dancing by a fire, so animals make the most sense. Mm. Although dry, poorly scraped leather, also a bit flammable. You had like six options. Yeah. You could be a deer or a wolf or a bear or maybe like a rabbit, multiple rabbits. You had to be a minimum of five rabbits. You basically had to become the rabbit man. Another callback. One rabbit would not cover much. No. Maybe that's the origin of the sexy Halloween costumes. <laughs> I only caught one rabbit this year, so I guess I'm going as rabbit jockstrap guy. <laughs> slutty dead rabbit dude. Oh, slutty dead rabbit. Rabbit wow. banana hammock. Yoink. The bonfire was also used as a pyre to burn animals and crops, which were offered as sacrifices to the fairies. Mm. And at the completion of the festivities, the villagers would each take an ember from the fire to relight their hearths. Mm. It was also believed that the souls of dead relatives would revisit their homes during the festival, so the villagers might set a place at the table for grandma or some other beloved zombie during the <laughs> evening meal. <laughs> whiskey and then just really hope they don't actually show up yeah or didn't stick around like oh look grandma drank her whiskey and she fucked off good mumming was also a popular activity which is not related to mummification mm. it is really just carolers who don't sing right it's basically a group of theater kids who go door to door doing little skits yeah mummery usually mummers would expect some type of tip or donation for the effort of putting on a performance that you had not requested <laughs> It's unsolicited uh, art that turns into a shakedown. It's like the Broadway play Cats showed up in your front yard and put on a big production and then retroactively demanded that you buy a ticket. <laughs> it's like busking, but more aggressive. Seriously. Yeah, it's a shakedown. <laughs> it was. So other traditions. In some areas, the teenage boys of the village would lie down close to the bonfire so that the smoke was rolling over their bodies, and then other boys would leap over the smoke and over their prone peers. And miss, and that's how we got the first uh, circumcision by boot. What, what the fuck is doing this? Another common tradition was to build bonfires side by side, multiple bonfires, and then walk between them, often leading livestock as a cleansing ritual. Apparently, warm cows are cleaner. It's a, yeah, I don't know why they were warming up the cows. To, that could have been, yeah. They were doing dirty things with clean cows. <laughs> Clean, warm cows. That's, what, that's all they wanted all year long. They were just looking forward to that clean, warm cow. <laughs> Gosh. That sounds horrifying. So due to the supposed thinning of the boundaries between worlds and the resulting proximity of ghosts and fairies, uh, the Celtic priests, a.k.a. Druids, believed that for one night they could tap into the powers of the spirit realm. So a major component of the festival involved prophesizing and predicting the future. Hmm. That made Samhain a very important and eagerly anticipated festival because this was a very scary time in history. The world was a volatile place and you were always one drought or lean season away from starvation. Mm -hmm. A positive report from the Druids regarding the upcoming year could help calm and soothe the entire community. Indeed. 
The druids were basically the groundhog from Groundhog's Day. Like, if the druid sees his shadow, hundred more years of plague and filth and dark ages. Oh, man. wonder if any of them got it right. There will be a potato for him and what? <laughs> Could never happen. You're all going to be alcoholics. <laughs> so when the Romans swept over the British Isles, they brought their own festivals and traditions, and the two cultures began to bleed together. The Romans actually had a slightly similar celebration called Feralia, which took place around the same time of year and was sort of like a Roman Day of the Dead. Mm. Dia de los Muertos y Caesar. <laughs> they had another festival in honor of Pomona, goddess of fruit and trees, specifically focused on apples, which may explain the tradition of bobbing for apples, which apparently is a thing that people do on Halloween, according to articles, and no one I've ever met. Ever, ever, ever. I've never even seen it in, like, I don't think I've even seen it in movies. I've never heard of that, but it's supposedly a thing. Hmm. Apples, the shittiest Halloween treats. We can all agree on that. Oh, dude, we used to throw apples at the house if you gave us an apple. We'd walk away yeah. with it. As soon as you close your door, thump, thump, thump. Put an apple in my bag, you're going to get tricked. <laughs> you earned it. You, you earned that trick. Mm. You trick. <laughs> Trick-ass apple giver. <laughs> so next came Christian influence. In the year 609, the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs was established by Pope Boniface IV. Yeah. <laughs> B B bony face the fourth that means there were three other popes who voluntarily chose to be bony faces <laughs> one of his successors the more conventionally named pope gregory the third decided because he was like <laughs> they were they showed him the options he was like i'm not going to go with a bony face <laughs> i have a rounded face a very jowly my mama said this is a fat of angel's cheek <laughs> so uh Pope Gregory III, he decided it was a little weird to only celebrate martyrs. He mm. wanted to include saints who did not have a death wish. <laughs> so he declared that November 1st would be All Saints Day, a.k.a. All Hallows Day, from All Hallow Mess, which is All Saints Day in Middle English, hallow obviously being etymologically similar to the word holy. Or halo. The church later established All Souls Day mm. on November 2nd. We're really just expanding. the. It was First it was just the martyrs, and then it was the, all the saints, and now it's just every soul. Just anyone can... All, all the things. Yeah. We don't soul shame. We don't... <laughs> nice. Soul shame sounds like something that came out of coming to America. <laughs> Let your soul glow. <laughs> Feeling all so silky smooth. So the church later established All Souls Day on November 2nd, which is really just a repackaging of Samhain. And the evening before became known as All Hallows' Eve, or All Hallows' Evening, obviously. Evening is often pronounced in England without the V. Mm. Eden, governor, or whatever. And uh, even written that way with, you know, a little apostrophe. Mm. So the word was shortened over time to All Hallow-Eden, and, uh, you know, became Halloween. So basically, the words changed over time because people got progressively more lazy and less educated. Yeah. They're like, eh, fuck it. It's Ian. Over time, you just want some candy. You don't want to have to say five extra syllables. <laughs> I mean, after over time, with enough candy, you can't say five extra syllables. You've no teeth left. So let's talk about some of the specifics. Oh, yes, specificity. The history of some of these specifics of Halloween, the practice of trick-or-treating, for instance, has its roots in a multitude of traditions, one of which was Christian and the other's pagan. Way back in ancient times, on the Greek island of Rhodes, which I have visited, mm. children would dress up as swallows and go door-to-door -door singing songs. Huh. Mm, kind of annoying. Yeah. Swallows are bad enough. Waking me up in the morning. I don't need a gang of kids chirping on my front porch. <laughs> and especially since I've never really heard a bunch of kids sing well. Like, if you're under 10 years old, I'm not, not loving it. The Christian version of the tradition would come to be known as souling, 
named after so-called soul cakes, which are the inspiration for what would later become urinal cakes. <laughs> These are nice. They are shortbread cakes baked in honor of the dead. Huh. Souling often involved a kind of a dystopian uh, theme mm. because poor children would often visit the houses of wealthier people and be given soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the dead relatives of the rich people. So it was like buying prayers from orphans and you mean destitute it? children. Like, yeah. don't pray that you might pull yourself out of destitution. Pray for my rich uncle. Right. <laughs> Who's fuck? gone on to his eternal burn. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So soul cakes aren't cakes in the modern sense. They're like little biscuits filled with aromatic spices. Cinnamon, ginger, currants, raisins. They're not very cakeish. No, they're biscuits. A less tragic version of souling involved adult men singing songs and playing instruments in exchange for cakes and ale, which sounds more fun. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like more fun. It can be rather sad, though, if the people suck. <laughs> well, I definitely wouldn't want to be one of the houses at the end of the route. Right. <laughs> I suspect that the quality of the musical performance degraded rapidly proportional to the amount of ale consumed and houses visited. Truly, yeah. I'm sure it was like a lawn dart on a graph. From Wikipedia, quote, The customs associated with souling during all Hallowtide included, or include, consuming and or distributing soul cakes, singing, carrying lanterns, dressing in disguise, bonfires, playing divination games, carrying a horse's head, and performing plays. How do they always manage to mix in that one one where you're like, what the actual we're, fuck are you just doing? going to throw that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> Singing, dancing, costumes, and giant bloody severed animal heads. <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> it's not for you to know. It's for the Lord to tell you. The soul mass cakes were considered good luck and were sometimes kept around for years. A woman in the 1800s claimed to have a soul cake that was over a century old. <laughs> So these were, like I said, not very cakey, more like little hockey pucks. And this woman, by the way, a hoarder, but of perishable goods, which probably, I mean, I guess it worked out with the soul cake, but I don't want to see the rest of her house. Yeah. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I'm pretty sure that bitch lying. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing made with fat and sugar is going to last 1,000 years. I feel like I've seen some biscuits that could last 100 years. It would uh, just be a petrified biscuit at that point. Okay. Well, fair, fair. It's a coaster. <laughs> souling also may have contributed to the pumpkin carving tradition houses offering soul cakes might be identified by hollowed out turnip lanterns with carved faces and candles inside representing the soul trapped in purgatory okay wow that's dark and also that had to smell awful I, maybe have you seen these mm -mm. they put pumpkin faces to shame really they look terrifying okay let me show you a picture of a traditional like original halloween Turno-lantern? Turno-lantern. Yeah, That looks like a fucking shrunken head. That looks like something you'd find in Jeffrey Dahmer's fridge. They look evil. They do. Quote, in parts of Yorkshire, children still appear on doorsteps with turnip lanterns and disguised as witches, ghosts, and skeletons. And are soon booted <laughs> physically off the porch. Fuck out of here, you scary little shit. No, thank you. <laughs> I am glad we've evolved to Spider-Man onesies and cheap plastic baskets. Those I can handle. Mm. Show up with your skull turnip. <laughs> your burning, shrunken head turnip. You're getting razor blades in your apple. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's probably, they were like, they always you know, say, like, you're going to get razor blades in your candy or something. They mm. never say, what do they do to deserve it? Right. You show up with a fucking turnip lantern, you little piece of shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, that's hilarious. I'll be right back. Yeah. You get special candy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we'll talk some more about pumpkin carving 
in a minute. Mm. But uh, let's finish Soling. There have been many regional versions of Soling. So, quote, in the county of Cheshire, Soling plays were traditionally performed. This involved groups of Solers visiting farmhouses performing a death and resurrection play. One of the members would wear a horse skull without which the play could not be performed. So I think we, maybe we found our answer to the horse head thing. You could not perform the play without a horse skull. Okay. B-Y-O-H. <laughs> you can bring someone else's horse head. They don't, we're not picky. Okay. It can be anybody's horse head. Any severed horse head you find, just bring it along. <laughs> along the road. <laughs> An even more direct precursor to modern trick-or-treating is the UK tradition of guising, which is like soling, but specifically for kids in costumes. And the kids would put on a little performance to earn their treat. Mm. I think we should reintroduce the earning element, by the way. Mm. We've been giving free treats to lazy-ass five-year-olds for far too long. <laughs> All right, you little fuckers. I give out full candy bars. However, you got to yeah. make it through a slalom course of paintball guns before you get up to my fucking porch. Earn your Snickers. <laughs> yeah. Commie Halloween freeloaders. <laughs> Often the children would warn the occupants of the houses that misfortune would befall them if they didn't provide a treat. Mm. Which evolved to the concept of trick or treat. Mm. Although that seems a little different. That's That was more extreme. I was going to say, one of these involves, again, the shakedown. Yeah. The other one is... That's extortion. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you wanna hand over a cannon bar? We want something bad to happen to your kids. You know what? If you were to say, put a couple candy corns in this little bag, <laughs> I go away, we forget this whole thing ever happened. <laughs> you got a real nice family. You want to keep them that way? Candy in the bag. <laughs> So the night before Halloween in many British communities has also long been associated with mischief night, which is pretty self-explanatory. Kids throwing eggs at houses, setting off fireworks, just annoying the shit out of everyone. Mm. It's like for one night, all of us childless adults basically have to put up with what these kids' parents put up with all the time. That's what it is. It's punishment for people who didn't have kids. Right. I promised we'd talk more about pumpkin carving, and obviously we have to touch on jack-o'-lanterns. Mm. The idea of creating a lantern out of some type of vegetable or gourd has, as we noted, been around forever, but the name jack-o'-lantern is believed to have a specific origin story. Mm. Some of our Irish listeners are probably familiar with the tale of Stingy Jack. What? Seems like every country has some version of an outwitting the devil tale. Oh, okay. In America, there's the Crossroads legend, in which you can summon the devil to a competition by standing at a crossroads... And, of course, we're all familiar with Johnny from The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stingy Jack is similar, but there is a decidedly less happy ending. Oh, no. So Stingy Jack was a lying, deceitful drunkard who went around scamming people and generally being a ne'er-do-well. Mm. The devil caught wind of his antics and decided to drag him down to hell. He found Jack on a deserted road and revealed both himself and his plan. That sounds... He didn't reveal him, like... <laughs> Just phrasing, phrasing. Explained. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't reveal himself. He might have, I don't know. Maybe he did. Flashes Jack and be like, you're going to get a lot of this where you're going. This is the devil. He might have, he might have done it. He probably did. I wouldn't put it past him. No. Jack thought quickly. Mm. He asked the devil if he could at least have one final drink before their fateful journey. The devil acquiesced because, you know. Devil. Makes for a better story. Yeah. Let's be honest. There's no logical reason for him to allow this to... Okay. I mean, but also, can you honestly see the devil as a teetotaller? Like, he's gonna go drinking with the dude. Did you say a teetotaller? Is that how you say it? 
Teetotaler? That's, yeah, it's a teetotaler. Teetotaler. That's okay. my favorite. That's my favorite so far. That's better than Sam Hain. Teetotaler. Teetotaler. I always wondered why there were so many goddamn teas in that. I was like, dude, that's a fucking. Just, they didn't drink. <laughs> teetotaler. Yep. Yep. Can you can you tell I largely taught myself how to read? So at a nearby tavern, the devil realized that he was flat broke. Apparently, he had left all his money in his other goat legs or whatever. So Jack convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin with which Jack could pay for the ale and then turn himself back into the devil when the bartender wasn't looking. Except when the devil turned into a coin, Jack slipped him in his pocket in which he carried a crucifix which prevented the devil from assuming his original form. Jack then told the devil that he wouldn't let him go unless the devil agreed to spare his soul for 10 years. Hmm. I would have, I would have held out. Yeah. <laughs> might, have, might, have, might have bargained for longer. Again, you know, story's got a story. Yeah. Ten years later, the devil came knocking, and Jack once again asked a favor before the devil could complete his dastardly deed. Hmm. And the devil said yes, because apparently there are no qualifications for being the prince of darkness. <laughs> you can, any old idiot can run hell. Dude, even I wouldn't fall for that one. I wouldn't be like, uh, yeah, sure, buddy, you seem trustworthy. This time, Jack asked for an apple, and the goddamn devil climbed a tree to get one. <laughs> this is an awfully helpful devil. <laughs> right. And look, even if you're like the nicest Satan ever, mm. wouldn't you just say, okay, like there's an apple, climb your own fucking tree. Yeah. I'm not going to climb a tree for you. I'm the devil. Yeah. What are you, the prince of darkness or a waiter? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're the devil running errands. Yeah. Anyway, obviously when the devil went up the tree, Jack quickly surrounded the tree with a bunch of crucifixes, which he was conveniently carrying. I don't know. You know what? When you've had a run in with the devil, you start carrying crucifixes. I'm going to let that one. I'm going to give that a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This time, Jack made the devil promise to never come take his soul. Mm. He added on a few years because, you know, oops. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm struggling to find out who's the slower learner here. And that sounds like a better plan, except mm. it actually backfired spectacularly. Mm. Because when Jack died, there was no way in hell, so to speak, that God was going to let him pass through the pearly gates. Mm. As previously mentioned, it's kind of a piece of shit. Right. And the devil had promised to never take his soul. So Jack spent the rest of eternity wandering through the netherworld between heaven and hell, his path lit only by a candle and a hollowed-out rutabaga. Rutabaga. Which would become known as a jack-o'-lantern. Okay, that was a, a kind of long, windy road to <laughs> jack-o'-lantern. I enjoy that story, though. So okay. I, to, I wasn't going to give you a short shrift on that one. Okay, cool. cool. In America, the Washington Irving story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, cemented the pumpkin as a symbol of Halloween horror. Actually, in this story, the headless horseman never actually wears a pumpkin in mm -hmm. place of his head. But at the end of the tale, a shattered pumpkin is found next to the hat of Ichabod Crane. And subsequent artistic interpretations of the story have frequently depicted the headless horseman wearing a carved pumpkin. Right. So let's talk a little more in depth about trick-or-treating. In America, trick-or-treating became established in the 1920s, but the standard offerings were different. Hmm. Typically, it was like nuts, toys, cookies, cakes, and coins. These were all distributed on Halloween. That's what I want to give my kids instead of, you know, Butterfingers and all that stuff. Give me some nasty ass coins I've been hanging out in your pocket for six months along with that butterscotch. At least in the 1920s, coins were worth something. That was like giving them money instead mm -hmm. of today. That would be like throwing away your trash in someone's, right. in someone's basket. Because <laughs> they come from a time when it was like penny candy. In fact, we'll talk about some penny candy. All right. And, you know, if you did that nowadays, you wouldn't have a solid window in your entire house. <laughs> yeah. Pennies are disease vectors and also projectiles. Yes. They're pretty effective at shattering glass. 
So it all started with raisin cakes and ale and nuts and coins. So how did candy take over? Mm. I bet you can guess. Penny candies? Greed and effective marketing. Oh, okay. Candy manufacturers saw an opportunity. With the mass production of individually wrapped confections, candy became increasingly cheap, convenient, and is essentially non-perishable for the mm. most part. Yeah. Today, one quarter of all the candy sold annually in the United States is purchased for Halloween. Wow. Americans spend almost $3 billion on candy every year. Fuck me sideways. Just during that holiday. Jesus. Candy corn, by the way, believed to have been created in the 1880s by a guy named George Renninger. It was a popular penny candy, as we mentioned, mm. sold at shops year-round. When candy became increasingly popular as a Halloween treat, candy corn, with its small size and association with harvest and fall themes, was a natural choice. Uh. Candy corn is made from sugar, fondant, marshmallow cream, corn syrup, food coloring, and vanilla flavoring, all of which is combined into a mix known as a slurry. Hmm. No part of me wants any, and I hate candy corn, so dude, this is getting worse. The mixture is poured into molds and combined with an edible wax, which is all I really taste or experience when eating candy corn. It should be called edible wax. I mean, they have edible wax. They have those lips that are, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. like the Dracula teeth that honestly taste better than candy corn. I actually am okay with candy corn. I like, it tastes very buttery to me. I like that taste. I don't like the waxy consistency. That's what bothers me. Hmm. Candy corn can last up to nine months unopened, which seems uh, surprisingly short. Mm. I thought eternity. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's what I would have guessed. Yeah. What does stale candy corn taste like? I thought candy, cor candy corn is pre-staled. Yeah. Quote, more than 30 million pounds of candy corn are produced yearly. That's roughly 9 billion pieces. It's a lot of candy corn. It is. It is. I feel like, you know, if you could put, if you could weaponize candy corn, we might win a few more wars than we currently do. I mean, give a kid an apple on Halloween and he'll weaponize a candy corn. It's <laughs> fair. The National Confectioners Association has deemed October 30th to be, quote, National Candy Corn Day. Okay. That is so ballsy to just claim a full day for waxy corn syrup. Seriously. There are only 365 days in a year. Every company is not entitled to one. You don't get to just declare a day. What, is, is there Trojan's Day? Is there yeah. <laughs> National Dildo Day? Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure there is a National Dildo Day. I think that's Columbus Day. Ooh! Oh! Columbus Burn! Dildo Columbus Burn. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Edit button. <laughs> A few random facts about Halloween before we end. All right, all right. More people, uh, especially millennials, are buying costumes for their pets these years. 20% uh, did so in 2018. That's up 16% from 2017. So every year, more and more uh, animals being subjected to the misery of uh, Halloween costumes. Don't do that. Unless your animal's really cool. <laughs> or if you're June, because her two black cats in the kitten bee outfits looked miserable and yet hilarious and adorable. It's it's true, and and June is actually responsible for the floof getting her own monkey costume. Oh, of course. You're... So yeah, so there's that. <sighs> you're terrible. I didn't do it. Was it your wifeness? <laughs> yeah, it was wifeness. I didn't. I didn't egg June on. <laughs> so last fact, I saw a couple different figures online, but it seems like the average bag of Halloween candy averages around five thousand calories. Hi. That's a lot of calories, for, especially for a child. Jesus Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be pretty energetic. Mm, that's what you're thinking, is it? I was thinking the other thing. 
it pretty seems, fat. Yeah, we, there's a national issue with obesity, and you know there could be some some red flags. Those kids are gonna burn it off real fast. It's just the problem is all the McDonald's that they're eating the rest of the years. Yeah, I mean it's not gonna help a real good diet of McDonald's and you know Coca Cola. Yeah, I mean if your kid is like generally healthy and you eat pretty healthy, that five thousand calories isn't gonna do anything. Yeah, have at it. I would just give out Coca wine. We're the we're the good house. We give you the good stuff. Dude, those kids are lining up in like mid June. <laughs> so that's all I got. I all right. I, I gotta say I, I was agreeing with you when you began. I was like, oh, basic ass. All right, how are we gonna pull this off? And that was actually pretty funny and cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that one actually. I enjoyed learning about Halloween, and uh, I will you know never look at a carved pumpkin the same. Mm. Some of them are not great, mm. but you know none of them look like a terrifying nightmare turnip burning shrunken head yeah so one more halloween in the bag good god we're getting old uh, all right so miffy folk the world over you have your duties this halloween i will give a shirt to the person who sends me the most pictures of the most stickers or the most insane miffy thing you did to someone else's house and uh, don't burn it down Eggs don't count. And with that, and as always, knowledge is power. Sleep is overrated.